I thank you. Uh, it is a blessing to have my wife home. Some of you said you look happier, Pastor, and uh, I, I am. And, uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5. Would you stand with me this morning if you're able as we read a portion of God's Word? Revelation chapter 5 this morning. And uh, we are uh, marching through the book of Revelation just uh, really, I think, timely as we are witnessing uh, events in our world today. Uh, we're looking here in Revelation chapter 5 at a scene from heaven. And one thing that becomes evident, uh, the closer we come to heaven and the closer we get to Jesus, uh, the more we recognize that uh, the things of this life, they're vanity. Uh, this world soon passes away. Uh, we face, I get a call this morning of a young man that is ushered into eternity. It's appointed and a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And I'm thankful for this young man that he knew the Lord and had a godly testimony. Uh, but we realize that this life, it's, it's very brief. It comes to an end. Uh, and we will realize it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. When we come into the presence of the Lord. Revelation chapter 5. Pick up here at verse number 1, Revelation 5, verse number 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. I want to stop at that point this morning, and we're going to examine a thought this morning. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Now, we've dealt with that thought previously, but I, I'm going to, uh, going to relate it in a little different way here this morning. Uh, our Jesus is truly worthy. He's worthy of all honor and glory and power and praise this morning. And, and by the way, every knee will bow to Him. And if you do not bow to Him in this life, you will eventually bow to Him. And you will see that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want you to join me. Let's go to the Lord this morning in prayer. And you pray this morning for this service. We sure need Jesus today. We need him to work in our hearts and lives. And may we just take a moment to really bow our knee to Jesus this morning. Father, thank you this morning. We want to see you uplifted and exalted as you deserve and as you are going to be and should be. And Lord, would you have your your way here today in this service. Uh, Lord, you know every heart, every need. 
Lord, there's somebody here today that if they die or if you return, uh, they're not going to heaven. And God, you're speaking to that heart, not by accident, that you brought them today. And I pray that by your spirit, you would draw and you would give the courage to bow the knee to you this morning, to surrender for that gift of salvation, that marvelous, wonderful grace. Lord, there's somebody here today that maybe their eyes have been taken off of you through the circumstances, through the difficulties of life. And this morning need to be reminded that you're still in control, still on the throne. Have your way, we pray. Give us your power. Give us your grace. We pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. I want to just uh, remind you and review a couple of things and a couple of thoughts here this morning in, in the beginning by way of introduction. What we have here in Revelation chapter 4, Revelation chapter 5 is a scene from heaven. And I'd like you to back up with me all the way back to chapter 4, in chapter 4, verse number 1. And we read, after this, I looked, and this is John the Apostle. He says, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And John says, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, behold a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne, and he that sat uh, was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And here John the Apostle is ushered to this scene and to this position and this place in heaven. Now, as we preach through Revelation chapter 4, we saw that is a picture of the future rapture. We believe the rapture is imminent. We believe it is the time when the trumpet will sound. And there will be a call, just as John heard, come up hither. And the Bible speaks at that time that the dead in Christ will rise. They will be resurrected. There will be the resurrection body. And then the Bible speaks that we which are alive and remain, he's speaking of saved people, will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And as 1 Corinthians 15 expresses, we will be changed. It will be in a moment. It will be in the twinkling of an eye. And from that moment, there will never again be a, an evil thought or a wicked thought. In that moment, we will be ushered into the holy presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, like John the Apostle, when that happens... We will behold a throne in heaven. And it will be very evident that the one on that throne is holy, holy, holy. Uh, and we will stand in awe of that presence of the Lord in heaven. Now that scene in heaven is going to be one of, of worship. And as we march through Revelation 4... And Revelation chapter 5, we see angels and saints and all of creation gathered around that throne singing praises unto the one who is worthy. I want you to go to chapter 4 and verse number 11. And we'll see here that that one is worthy because of creation. In verse 11, it reads, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Now we understand this morning this world is not an accident. We understand that God spoke it into being, that he made everything from nothing. And what a magnificent creation that we have the privilege of beholding. 
Uh, we see the stars and the planets and the sun and we see the rivers and the mountains and the life that God has given. And all of this was created and made by the power of God. And uh, when we are in heaven in that presence of the Lord, he will be worshipped because of his creation and he's worthy. That power is revealed. And we go to chapter 5 and we see that he's worthy because of redemption. Chapter 5 verse number 9. And it reads, they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And when we are in the presence of God around that throne, uh, we will be drawn to worship the Lord from our heart, thanking the Lord for the marvelous, wonderful gift of salvation. Uh, because I have been saved, I will never have to go to hell. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood. And by the way, as we observe the Lord's Supper, uh, we are doing this in remembrance of that broken body and of that shed blood upon the cross of Calvary. It's that reminder. And we need constantly to be reminded of the price that has been paid for the gift of our salvation. He's worthy. This morning, we're going to focus on chapter 5. I'm going to pull some thoughts out of this chapter. Worthy is the Lamb this morning. He alone is worthy of our praise. I want to examine, we'll break this chapter into, five, into three different parts. And what we see in the first part of this chapter is that a worthy one is sought. Now again, go back with me, chapter 5, verse number 1. A worthy one is sought. We read here verse 1 of chapter 5, there's a sealed scroll. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the back side... Sealed with seven seals. Now this is a scroll. Uh, the scroll becomes the key to interpreting the rest of the book of Revelation. If we're going to understand the rest of the book of Revelation, we've got to understand the meaning of this scroll. And what we have from this point, it's the opening of the scrolls, these seven seals on the scroll that brings forth the judgments that ultimately deliver this sin-cursed world into the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we march through the book of Revelation, this seven-sealed book or scroll, I believe, is the title deed to the earth. Now, let me explain this. When God made man, he placed him in the garden. It's a perfect environment. God gave to man dominion over the earth. Of creation, God spoke in the garden that it was very good. And that everything God made was good. It was perfect. It was right. But sin entered the world and sin changed everything. With the entering of sin, with man's rebellion against God, man forfeited that dominion to Satan. And we know now that Satan is the god of this world. He's the prince of the power of the air. And now this world is under the curse of sin. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us that all of creation groaneth under this curse. That's very evident as we look at our world today, this world is sin-cursed. We live in a world of war, of murder, of theft, of violence, hatred, death, pain, misery, selfishness. I get a call early this morning and there's a death, a young man in the prime of his life. And we see all about us the curse of sin. You see, with sin, man 
lost control of this world. This curse extends to the natural world. We day by day deal with things such as earthquakes and tornadoes and volcanoes and hurricanes and floods and tsunamis and natural disasters and disease and famine and on it goes. That's the curse of sin. And that curse involves the plant kingdom. Before sin, there were no thorns, nor thistles, nor weeds. But with sin entered thistles, thorns, weeds. Producing a crop was easy in the garden. But after sin, now requires sweat and labor. And then that curse involves the animal kingdom. We now deal with poisonous snakes and poisonous spiders. Man-eating lions and bears and sharks. You see, sin is costly. There's a curse on this world. And I believe this sealed book in the book of Revelation has to do with the breaking of this curse. There's a sealed scroll. Now look in chapter 5 and verse number 2. A solution is sought. It says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? In ancient times, a sealed title deed could be opened only by one who was worthy. He had to meet certain specifications. He had to have authority to open the scrolls. Now the question goes forth, who is worthy? Who has the authority? Who has the ability? Who's willing? Now the book of Ruth in the Old Testament sheds a little bit of light upon this. And let me back up to that portion in the Old Testament. Uh, Elimelech, Naomi, uh, they were happy with their two sons, Malon and Kilion, in the land of Judah. But a famine came to the land. They left their homeland for Moab. And while in Moab, uh, Elimelech died. Naomi's sons married two of the Moabitish women, Orpah and Ruth. And then the sons died. So Naomi is left alone in the land of Moab with two daughters-in-laws, the Moabite women. Naomi decided to return to her homeland. And we know the story, Ruth chose to go with her. But as she arrived in the homeland back in Judah, her property, her possessions had been forfeited. Probably because of debts, because of taxes. And the story of Ruth is the story of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, the one who redeemed this forfeited land. He redeemed Naomi's land back. He raised up seed for Elimelech's family. And we know the story of Boaz marrying Ruth. It's the great story in the Word of God. And uh, we read of Boaz that Boaz was this man that had authority. He was a near relative of Naomi. He had the ability, he was a wealthy man. The book of Ruth makes that very clear. But furthermore, he was willing. He was willing to submit himself to that purchase, to that redemption of that land, and to raise up seed for the cause of Naomi. Now we know the beautiful story that he becomes a part of the lineage of King David. Now the question of the angel, who is worthy? It's one of great importance. You see, man forfeited the title deed. 
And the earth today groans under the weight of sin. Who is worthy? Uh, Must be one that has the authority as a kinsman. Uh, Must be one that has the ability without sin. And must be one that would be willing. Who is worthy? A solution was sought. But I want you to read in verse number 3, there's a sad situation. And it reads, no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. What John realized is that none of Adam's race could be found without sin. All were guilty. All had missed the mark. All fell short of the glory of God. And in verse number 4, understanding this dire circumstance, John said, I wept much. It broke my heart because no man was found worthy to open to read the book, neither to look thereon. He was a broken man. Without a kinsman redeemer, there was no hope. The curse of sin would continue on. A worthy one was sought. Now here is the blessing of Revelation chapter 5. A worthy one was found. Look in verse uh, chapter 5, and this is the theme of Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb. And here John is directed to one who is worthy in verse number 5. It reads, One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. He says, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, I want you to get the picture here. So often we're like John. Here's John. He he sees the situation. He understands the curse. And he he is broken because nobody was found worthy. But to have his attention turned to Jesus. And so often we're like John. We see the negative about us and and our heart is broken and we lose hope and and we need to have our attention drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and realize that the situation is not too big for our Lord Jesus Christ because he is worthy. And there's a threefold presentation of his worthiness. First of all, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's worthy. What does that mean? It's a fulfillment of a prophecy. From Genesis chapter 49. It takes us all the way back to where the fact that the Messiah must come from the lineage of Judah. And when Jesus comes again, he's going to come as a lion. He's going to come as king. Uh, We understand he's God. And as God, Jesus has the ability. He has all the wealth of the world at his disposal. He's worthy uh, concerning Not only the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he's worthy because he is from the lineage of David. Notice in verse number 5. He says, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book to loose the seven seals thereof. See, Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies concerning the lineage. His roots are traced back to King David. Isaiah chapter 9, the Bible says of King Jesus that he will sit upon the throne of David. And we have here not only his deity, but we have his humanity. God became man. Uh, Understand, Jesus is one of us. He's our kinsman. It took not only God 
who had the power and the ability, but it took a man, Jesus, God, the God-man, who had both God and man the ability as a kinsman redeemer to redeem us. He's worthy. Notice in verse number 6. He's worthy as the lamb. In verse 6. And it beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb. How did John miss it? As it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the world. As John focused upon the seven-sealed scroll, no one was worthy. He had missed the lamb. And you think about that, aren't we often like that? We miss the lamb, he's the answer, but somehow we fail to see him. He's the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. See, we need him this morning for salvation. Much of the world, it seeks salvation in its religion, in all the wrong places, but the world has failed to look to the lamb. We have but to look to the Lamb and live. And, and as Christians, we need Him for day-by-day -day forgiveness. Even saved people tend to wander away. Sin creeps into our life and the fellowship with God is broken. And Jesus alone can restore that fellowship, but we have to look to the Lamb. And if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we need him today for wisdom, for direction, for strength, for comfort, and how our eyes need, like John the Apostle, to be drawn to the Lamb. Now, I want you to notice something in verse number 7. Having the authority, having the ability, he was willing. You see, this Lamb, he came, and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. As a Lamb... He was willing to lay down his life, a sacrifice for our sin. We've said this many times. Uh, no man took his life. He yielded his life. He gave his life. He had the ability to call legions of angels. They could have come and delivered him from the cross at any point. No, he chose to die. And he gave his lifeblood for our forgiveness. He was willing. Now, as he takes this book, in the next chapters, these seals are opened one by one. I want you to see this, chapter 6, verse number 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, come and see. Notice in verse 3. When he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. In verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, and as we move through the book of Revelation, we see the opening of these seals. And as these seals are opened, the kingdoms of this world are taken from Satan. And they're delivered into the hands of King Jesus. And in chapter 19, Jesus returns from heaven with his saints. And the beast and the false prophet are taken and cast into hell. 
And Satan is then bound for a thousand years and King Jesus will sit upon the throne of David and for the first time since sin, there will be peace and safety as the kingdom is delivered to King Jesus. See, a worthy one is sought and a worthy one is found. And here's really the basis of this chapter. A worthy one is worshipped. Because in verses 8 through 14, the focus is upon the worship of the Lamb. And wouldn't you say this morning that one who can deliver man from his sin is worthy? And wouldn't you say this morning that one who can deliver this sin-cursed world is worthy? And one that can defeat Satan ultimately is worthy? And so all of eternity will be geared to the worship of the Lamb who is worthy. Now, as we understand all of creation groans in the curse of sin, what a blessing to see the curse removed when Jesus reigns. There's going to be peace. Our world is clamoring for peace today. But the Bible says, when they shall say peace and safety, and the sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. See, the problem with the world is looking for peace and safety in all the wrong places. And it's not till the world is turned to King Jesus that peace will come. The thorns and the thistles will be removed in that day. And do you realize when King Jesus reigns, the Old Testament tells us that the lion and the lamb will lie together, that the little boy will play with the snake, and there will be that millennial reign where sin passes away and Jesus rules. What a glory. That realization leads us to worship. We have in verse number 8, the first part, the worship of the saints or the saved. Verse number 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And let me stop with that, the prayers of the saints. How many of you have prayed in your life something like this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done? on earth as it is in heaven. You realize multitudes of saints have prayed that and uh, it will be King Jesus who fulfills that prayer and we will see him as worthy. We're going to sing on that day a new song. It's going to be a song of worship. Look in verse number 9. They sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy uh, to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, and people and nation, has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. This is a song of worship. It's a gospel song because it speaks of that redemption that was through his blood. And it's a missionary song. One of the greatest motivations to get involved in missions is this fact that he has redeemed people from every kindred, every tongue, every people, every nation on the face of this planet earth. Uh, this song of redemption is a song that we are going to sing in heaven. And we just passed through a missions conference. We had the Miller family going to Mexico. And he realized Valley Bible Baptist Church, as we began to support the Miller family, that one day there will be the precious souls of those in Mexico that have come to know Jesus Christ because this church supported that family. And there will be people in heaven that will come up to you and say thank you. 
for sending the millers. And there will be some precious Navajos that will come to you and say thank you for supporting the Haynes family uh, to the Navajo reservation. Thank you because of their testimony I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And there will be some former Muslims that come from Turkey because this church chose to support the Vegas in Turkey. What a missionary song. And there will be people from every nation, every tribe, every tongue on the face of this planet that will be in heaven at this scene praising the Lamb who is worthy. How precious. That's the worship of the saints, the saint. Notice in verse number 11, there's the worship of the angels. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Don't ask me how many that is. It's more than I can count. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Now, just a moment. Take your Bibles back with me to the gospel of Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. At the birth of Jesus Christ, there was a small glimpse of this scene from heaven. In Luke chapter 2, we read of the birth of Jesus in verse number 9. And it reads, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. These are the shepherds watching their field by night. And the glory, listen to this, the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. But notice verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Those shepherds that day had a glimpse into heaven and suddenly there was a multitude of the host singing praise to the Lord. Now friend, in Revelation 5, we have that scene in heaven complete. and We have this multitude of angels singing praise to the one who's worthy. Go back to Revelation chapter 5. Look with me in verse 13. And it reads, And every creature which is in heaven, and notice every creature, every creature, every creature, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever. Here is the worship of all creation. And I would say to you, if you haven't started yet, you're going to be too late when you get there. In fact, if you haven't started yet, you're not going to get there until you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, it seems to me it'd be wise to practice now because he's worthy. True worship from the heart changes our entire outlook on all things. Do you realize that we're going to have all of eternity to worship the Lord Jesus? We'll never grow tired of it. 
You say, well, heaven's going to be boring. No, 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 my friend. Heaven will not be boring. Your heart will be overflowed with praise because you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And He is worthy. He has delivered from the curse of this cursed world. Our hearts are going to be filled to overflowing. And you'll not be able to hold it in. I just want to give this challenge here this morning. We can start it right now. Amen. You can get ready for heaven right now. You can start preparing. Remember when Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel in the city of Philippi? And at the midnight hour, the Bible said Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. They were in the stocks in prison, but they sang praises and God delivered them. And we know that the jailer and his family that day came to know Jesus Christ and they rejoiced likewise. We mentioned this morning in Sunday school, Job, hearing of difficulties that befell him even the death of his own children he fell down upon the ground and he worshiped in the old testament second chronicles chapter 20 we read of king jehoshaphat he's surrounded by the enemy uh, led his nation to praise the lord and as they praised the lord surrounded by the enemy the lord set ambushments against the enemy and delivered them uh, david while fleeing for his life from king saul worshiped the lord and God over and over gave deliverance. And can I just give this challenge this morning, even when you don't understand, he's worthy. You can praise him. Are you saved? You've got something to praise him about. He's worthy. Has he been good to you? You've got something to praise him about. He's worthy. We ought to practice right now. See, this chapter is focused upon that one who is worthy. A worthy one was a worthy one was found, and a worthy one was worshipped. It's a great outline of this chapter. Now, let me give this thought in closing. See, our hearts will never be filled to overflowing to worship Him until we know Him. I would go to church as a boy. And I thought church was boring. really did. Those songs of the hymn book, they just were not like the bebop songs that I would listen to. Just as a little different. Problem was, I didn't know Jesus. But something happened when I met Jesus Christ. And then suddenly my heart wanted to praise Him and worship Him because He was my Savior. He made all of the difference. And Friend, if you don't know Him this morning, can I challenge you? You need Him. And he wants you, and he's willing to save you this morning. He's willing to come to you. Maybe this morning you're like John. You're seeing the difficulties all about you, and yet your eyes are not upon the Lamb. And can I challenge you this morning to turn your eyes to the Lamb? You can turn your eyes to the Lamb for salvation. You can turn your eyes to the Lamb for forgiveness. You can turn your eyes to the Lamb for comfort, for grace, for strength in every trial that you deal with. Turn your eyes upon the Lamb. He's worthy. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, 